from working at Walmart to a $70,000 a year part-time business. My guess is you walk past this side hustle at least twice a year without even knowing it. What's up, what's up, Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because business ideas are everywhere. Like I mentioned a second ago, you probably walk past this business at least twice a year without even thinking about it. That was definitely the case for me until Side Hustle Show listener Larry McGee reached out with a story about his aquarium maintenance business, which started as a lunch break side hustle with a friend while they were both working at Walmart. Now, it helped that Larry was interested in aquariums as a hobby, but over the years, he's built this thing to dozens of predictable retainer accounts, many of them in dental offices. That's where the two times a year thing comes in. And all told, he's been able to earn 70 grand a year working an average of 15 hours a week. Use this episode as some food for thought, or maybe some fish food for thought, as to what type of local service business could be right under your nose, and how you might begin to reach those customers. Notes and links for this one, along with the full text summary with all of Larry's top tips from the call, are at sidehustlenation.com slash Larry. Now, whether you're helping people take care of their aquariums or providing some other type of service, you're going to need a reliable and professional way to get paid. One tool that helps me do just that is our sponsor, FreshBooks.com. FreshBooks is the number one invoicing and accounting software designed specifically for side hustlers, freelancers, and consultants. Recommended by 97% of small business owners, this is the service I use when I need to invoice clients or advertisers, and I've been a customer for years. Side Hustle Show listeners can try it free for 30 days. There's no catch, no credit card required. Head on over to FreshBooks.com slash Side Hustle and enter the Side Hustle Show in the How Did You Hear About Us section to get started today. I'll be back with my top takeaways from this chat with Larry after the interview. Ready? Let's do it. I did a little bit of direct mail. My first customer that I got was actually a pediatric dentist. Still remember them because they're actually still one of my customers today. That one account cost me around a dollar to acquire, but that has netted me almost $50,000 over time. Wow. <laughs> that's a nice customer acquisition or return on customer acquisition cost. Right. You know, and that's the thing about this business is I've had most of my customers or a lot of my customers for 15, 20, and upwards to almost 25 years. So it's a very sticky type of business. Once they find a go-to person to do this service, and as long as you provide a consistent, good service... They're unlikely to be shopping around or, or jumping ship to, to another service. Right. And, and that's the thing. Customer service, if you take care of your customer, managers of a business, they're busy. They don't want to just have to stop and go find somebody else to take care of an aquarium. So pricing is not that critical. I think if you just offer a good customer service, they're going to appreciate that and just keep you and just not have to worry about it. Have you found that when you're doing the the marketing or in this direct mail example, were they previously doing it themselves? I'm curious, like who you're replacing. I mean, obviously they got, they got the tank, they got to clean it out until you come around. Somebody is doing that work. The majority of my business, I will say, is new business. I mean, that's what I try to do is to just create new accounts. Occasionally you might run into somewhere that they already have an aquarium then it's pretty easy to get into that. You know, if, if they're doing the work themselves, and a matter of fact, that was my first client is they had an aquarium already. And I think that the dentist's wife was doing it. So I think she was ready to give that up. So that's some aspects. There might be someone else who's taking care of it. I, I don't actively go after my competitors and take their business. 
Do you remember what that direct mail said? Was this like a postcard? Was this a written letter? Like, hey, I'm Larry. I'd love to clean your aquarium. How did you even know they had an aquarium? Did you go in there first? No, actually, I didn't know. I just, actually, I think back then I had bought some software that was like a mailing list or something like that and just made a list of dentists in the area. Fortunately, now you've got Google. So, yeah, I didn't know they had an aquarium. It was just by chance that they had one. You may know the answer to this because this, you know, that we're talking about it. It is always like the dentist's office and the orthodontist's. Was there some study 30, 40 years ago that said like fish are calming to people getting their fillings done or something? Actually, there are some studies. They were done 20 some odd years ago, I guess you could say. A couple of different ones. One talks about how aquariums lower stress levels of people in waiting rooms. And I've actually just come across another one that talks about Alzheimer's patients in uh, like assisted living centers and nursing homes how aquariums can actually calm them a little bit. So I just did a a direct mail a couple of weeks ago, and I printed off this article and put it into this because I marked it to some assisted living centers just to give them some ideas of, you know, this is a legitimate business and there's some science behind it. Okay, that's interesting. So there's your piece of trivia for the the call is that, yeah, the the fish tanks can calm some anxiety (laughs) and get things going there. What was it like when you turn up. So this guy reads your letter. He says, yeah, this is a service that we want to hire you for. And and you show up on that first day. What are you looking at? Well, again, this was a new business. So there's a lot of learning in this over the years of just figuring it out. The first tank that he had, it was a 55-gallon tank. And the fish that he had in there were these enormous Oscars which I do not recommend those (laughs) tanks now because they just create a lot of mess. So it was just a learning experience. Now I'm kind of picturing that, yeah, dentist waiting room size of tank. Like it's not, it's not huge. And so do you just come up during regular business hours and pop the top off and do your thing? Like what's the time on site? Like what's a, what's a typical site visit look like for you? Right. Of course, it, it depends on the size of the aquarium, and you're correct. They're usually not that large, 55 to 125 gallons, usually on the average. Most of them I do during business hours, unless if there is a day that they don't see patients, then I do try to come in on those days, but try not to make a mess when I do it. And I do have equipment that I've kind of, I guess, built myself and made to help not make a mess. You know, if I'm in a nursing home or something like that, and if I need to stretch a hose out across the floor, I choose not to do that because of, you know, trip hazards or something like that. So I've, I've built some equipment that I can actually carry water back and forth and and do some water changes, but it usually doesn't take on the average about 45 minutes for an aquarium to do maintenance on it. Sometimes less, sometimes more. It just kind of depends on what it needs. When I go in and and check a tank, I just kind of look at it at first, you can tell if something's not right. Then I do some water testing, and there may be not a need. If I just did a water change last month, I may not need to do one this month. So it just all kind of varies. Okay. Is that the typical setup, like a once-a-month rotating schedule, and it's about 45 minutes per visit per month? Yeah, that's pretty much the average. Now, there are some aquariums that may be in some high-profile areas, such as you know nice restaurants, 
I've got a couple of large ones that's in the lobby of a hospital, children's hospital. So I go in a little more often. Sometimes it's once every two weeks or so. Just kind of depends. I mean, this is the the face of my business. If it doesn't look good, then I'm not going to get other business. Sure, sure. How did you figure out in the early days how much to charge for this? Early days, you know, we probably just put a number out there to see if people would would do it. And as time went on, and we would increase the amount a little bit. At one time, I was trying to base things on about maybe $50 an hour or so, even though I, I don't charge per hour in my business. I do it on a project basis. But now I've got a list. So project basis meaning a flat fee per month or something? Exactly. That way, if, if I charge, say, $75 a month to take care of their aquarium, if it takes me 20 minutes to service it, then I still get paid $75. If it takes me two hours to service it, I still get paid $75. More often than not, it, it comes out in, into my favor. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What else worked on the marketing side? So just blanket, direct mail, all the, the dental offices in your area. And we should add, Larry, you're in central Arkansas, so near, kind of outside of Little Rock. Not a huge town, but still found enough business to really make this a viable thing. I'm curious, outside of this direct mail, what else did you do on the marketing front to land some new business? Everything. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> You know, when I first started, I, I didn't know a lot about advertising, which is kind of ironic because I just had just graduated college with a marketing degree. But over the years, I've, I've tried a, a lot of different things, everything, direct mail, newspaper ads, yellow page ads, business cards. Uh, I've even set up display booths at my state's dental association and hospital association conventions. I did get a little bit of business out of that. Matter of fact, my largest account I, I got out of that, a hospital. But that's really quite expensive. This business is, I want to say it's, it can be a little hard to market because not everybody is in the market for an aquarium. So I found that it's easier to kind of hit direct, you know, to the customers that I know have been good customers in the past. So that's really who I try to target. Yeah, I mean, I know you have your, your website set up for the service side of this business too. So if somebody searches like aquarium maintenance Little Rock, are they going to find you? Actually, they will. I rank very high in Google a lot of times at the first, but 
don't get a whole lot of website traffic. I mean, there's just really not a whole lot of people out there just searching for this. <laughs> sure. It's a very, and not, not a commonly searched term, huh? Right. It's almost where you, you need to put the idea in front of them. And, and, I've, and I've kind of found that you're not going to convince somebody that they need this business. They almost kind of kind of want that on their own to begin with. So you just got to place it out there in front of them and just kind of gently bring them along. And And for the targeting, it sounds like you mentioned approaching new businesses. So do you have any way of figuring out what new dental offices are opening up, like in a way to kind of streamline that targeting at all? Let me just say this. I haven't had to advertise a whole lot in the past few years because I don't lose that much business. So, you know, the business that I've had, plus coupled with some other things that I do, I do commercial consulting and repair for my big box pet stores in the state. I've had about as much business as I've had. So it's not that I'm just constantly out trying to to get new things. But here lately, my kids are, are now in college. So I've got a little extra time and, and the commercial repair stuff has actually changed a little bit a couple of years. So I'm actively looking for a few more new accounts now. So it could be just even driving around in my town and just seeing the, the new things that are coming up. But something that I just found on this latest direct mail thing that I've done is assisted living centers and nursing homes, for example. I found a website, the Department of Human Services, that listed every assisted living center, nursing home in my state, by county, their address, who the administrators are, their emails, and it's like a gold mine. (laughs) You know, so here I am, I'm just building my spreadsheet out, you know, and da-da-da-da-da, so I've got it broken out, and I've actually mailed my first set you know, just a couple of weeks ago and have, have already got some new business from that. Is there a follow-up plan in place? Like, okay, if, if I'm, I'm going to hit these people seven times to make a decision or is it just like, yeah, just send it out, wait a few months, uh, we'll see what happens. One thing that I did before I did this is I have some assisted living centers right now. So I went to a couple of the administrators and I just asked them, I said, I'm going to try to get some new business you know, as some other assisted living centers, what is the least annoying way that somebody can market to you that you'll actually look at it? Both of them told me to send something in the mail in an envelope that they can open. Don't send postcard stuff because they just throw that away. So then I also asked them, okay, well, what about a follow-up call or what's the next thing? And so, yeah, you can call, and but you could also send an email too. I was like, really? You know, I thought seeing an email was just spamming and didn't like that. They were like, oh, no, might have been in the past, but that's fine to do now. So that's what I'm going to uh, try to do is, you know, either follow up with some calls or email and just kind of be personal about it. Okay. Yeah, I love that. Asking the current client base, well, if I wanted to reach other people like you, what would you what would you find least annoying? That's a good way to do it. Plus, they probably give you a testimonial. You can include that in your letter. Hey, I'm already working with these companies or these these other brands that you may know. So that gives you a foot in the door right away. Right, and and that's what I did. Also, I included a letter that was personal. I'll put a a little picture of my wife and I on there. This is who we are. This is what we do. This is what we've done for the past 25 years. Put some pictures on there. And then some of my clients are now. And then I included a full color flyer of some aquarium systems that we offer, how much they cost, how much the maintenance costs, what does our maintenance include. And then I've got a little tagline at the end that says, we take care of it for you. You don't have to do anything to it. 
and just kind of make it a, a personal thing, I think. And I, I think that just kind of gets through the advertising noise that's out there right now that's just bombarding everyone. Has it always been you doing the work or have you brought on a junior aquarium maintenance technician to go out and handle some of these accounts for you? I have hired a couple of people in the past just as a, uh, an independent contractor. You know, during the time that I opened up my, my retail store, I hired a couple of people to go out and do that. And I found it sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. Not everybody's going to do the exact job that you're going to. And that may just be part of me having a problem with delegation. But I did actually have to fire someone once because, you know, I started losing accounts because he wasn't doing a good job. So as far as me, I'm it. I mean, I'm the only employee. I'm the guy that goes out and gets new business. I'm the guy that goes out and, and cleans the tanks. Yeah, and it's worked out really well. You built a nice, pretty substantial business up here, you know, working what sounds like on a, a pretty part-time basis. So when you're going out to do these, is this a couple of days a week that you stack up, you know, all your appointments in a certain part of town? I'm curious, like the the delivery mechanism, if somebody were to do this on the side from their day job. Yeah, I mean, the way that I do it, I schedule out per month what I'm going to do, and, you know, it doesn't change a whole lot. Then I'll schedule per week what I want to get done, and then I'll figure out which days that I want to work during the week. Sometimes it's a couple of days. Last week, it was one day. Next week, it'll probably be five days. It just depends on what's going on. But, yeah, I try to get as many as I can in one day, and, and I know how many tanks I can, can do in a day. On a typically eight to ten, and then you know I will go do that. Yeah, there's a, there's a batch processing element to this. Tell me about the point at which you are comfortable saying, okay, this is going to be a full time thing for me, or at least this is going to be my sole source of income. When I first started this business or first acquired it, I, I really didn't know the potential of this business, and I really didn't put my focus on it. I had been in retail for a while, and my goal was to open my own retail store. I wanted to open a pet store. So I, I focused on that for a few years, and actually that came about in about 2001. My thought was, you know, man, that's unlimited potential. Just, just I could open a chain or whatever. But, you know, and I opened up and did pretty well at first, and sales kind of started plateauing. And the stress of living an hour away from it and having to drive that every day, being away from my family, working weekends, sales, just really not doing what I wanted them to do. And then coupled with rent was absolutely killing me. I was paying $2,000 a month in rent and having to sell $10,000 worth of fish a month just to pay the rent. So it finally just all caught up with me and determined that you know retail is, is not where I wanted to be. And I ended up having the chance to get out of my lease a little early. I really just wanted to do aquarium maintenance and focus on that. And finally, my wife told me, she said, you know, if that's what you want to do, just do it. And at that point in time, we didn't have enough of business to, to call it a full-time business. But by the time I, I got my store closed down within the next three or four months, my customers heard what I was doing. So they were like, oh, hey, come clean my aquarium. So when we closed, it was just purely, purely circumstantial that we went full-time in it. I, I probably would not have made that decision if I knew that was the income and that was it. But we were able to get it built up enough to be able to live on after that. Do you do any residential stuff or is it all kind of these commercial office building type of clients? I have a few residential. 
my niche is kind of a freshwater commercial just because that, that's what I want to do. That's kind of where the lower stress levels are. But I, I do have a few residentials. Usually they are very wealthy and I'm able to get into their house during the daytime or, or whenever I want to. Okay. Let me tell you about one of my customers that I have. She's, she's a very wealthy business owner. She's got a couple of aquariums in, in her house and she pays me every week to come out and check her babies, which, you know, I told her it's not necessary. I don't have to come out every week. They're going to be fine, but she wants me to come do it anyway. She's got, like I say, a couple of aquariums, but one of them she has on her kitchen counter and it's a little 15 gallon tank. And inside of it, we used to have a freshwater eel whose name was Ed. Okay, Ed the eel. <laughs> Ed the eel. So Ed was her favorite, and he was always the center of attention at her dinner parties and get-togethers. And he was there for several years. But you know, when we lost Ed one winter, we had a, an ice storm, and the power went out, and the temperature of the tank dropped too low, and, and he, he passed. So we, we had to get another eel and put in there. And uh, she named him Larry. After me. Oh, okay. So, so now we have Larry the eel. And she said that was an honor to have something named after you in her house. So, well, okay, <laughs> we'll go with that. <laughs> How did you end up connecting with Larry's owner? She uh, just came into my store one day. And again, this has been about 16, 17 years ago. She just wanted an aquarium and just came in and asked for one. It's little tanks like this that... I think I added this up not long ago. I think she has paid me probably $60,000 over the years just to come check on her babies. Yeah, it's an interesting one because it's yeah, you, once you kind of know what you're doing and you can kind of get efficient at it and you build these really long-term relationships where it's on a weekly, monthly retainer type of thing where it's like, okay, they're just going to keep you around for years in your case. You know, these people, these customers have been around, some of them since the very beginning. Right. And, and they become like family. You know, this lady, she's buys my kids graduation gifts, wedding gifts. I, I know a lot of things about a, a lot of my customers. It's, it's pretty neat. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting one. Kind of reminds me of John Wilker's pallet flipping business from oh, was a year and a half ago or something on the show where he just talked about driving around town looking for companies trying to get rid of pallets, companies that need pallets. It's really similar. Companies with aquariums, companies putting in aquariums. It's like, hey, his question was, what do y'all do with those pallets? I mean, your question is, hey, who takes care of this aquarium for you? Who's going to take care of this aquarium for you? And if you can find this customer, they become a customer for life in, in a lot of cases. Larry, this is really cool. appreciate you sharing the kind of the inside story of how you've gone about this business, how you've grown and marketed and maintained it over the years. I'm curious, it sounds as if you're still running it, you're still doing this as a full-time operation or full-time income to that extent. But what's on the horizon for you? Is this something that you feel like you can sell down the road or we'll just have to shut it down in retirement? What's what's next? Well, I mean, for now, I'm still going to do it. And I've been studying business for past few years, you know, so just online stuff. See if there's something else I wanted to add to it. And every time I look at a business or, or hear something on, on a podcast that talks about, oh, you need a business that is paid project-based and not, not hourly-based. And, of course, I'll look back at mine. Okay, that, that's a check. If you want some flexible hours and 
we're going to have to check that off also. Repeat customers, you know, that's kind of the holy, holy grail of a, of a business. And I can have to check that one off too. And sometimes I'm like, I can't not do this business, it seems like. So as of right now, I mean, my, my kids are, are now in college, so I've got a little more time. So I'm going to try to expand the business a little bit. I'd, I'd like to get another 20, 30 more accounts just to add to it. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you, whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Is there a goal you're shooting for in terms of like monthly recurring revenue or just number of accounts is kind of your benchmark? Probably revenue. I would love to break that 100000 a year mark in just maintenance, but we'll, we'll see if we get there. Also, I love to teach and have been studying in a online marketing. So I've just created a blog about owning and operating an aquarium maintenance business. It's called the Aquarium Maintenance Business. <laughs> yes. Aquariummaintenancebusiness.com. Glad that domain was available for you. Well, I'll tell you, there's nothing out there about operating an aquarium maintenance business. I mean, if you search it, you get these just blog posts of, you know, to open an aquarium maintenance business, you buy a fishnet, buy a five-gallon bucket, and then clean people's aquariums and get paid. There's no details on how to do it. <laughs> there's a little more to it than that. Exactly. So, you know, I've created this. I created this blog, and there's just things on there about the business in general, tips, and then DIY things for aquariums. And even if you have an aquarium and don't have a business, you can probably learn some things on here, especially if you have a large aquarium. No, that's very good. So that's over at AquariumMaintenanceBusiness.com. And I understand you've packaged up some of your years and years of knowledge on this into an online course inspired by Nate Dodson from episode 314 of the Side Hustle Show and say, hey, I'm already doing this thing. Maybe this could be an opportunity for other people to do it. In his case, Nate's case, it was the microgreens business and in your case, the aquarium maintenance business. Yeah, that's right. I had been thinking about doing it for a while and that just kind of pushed me over the edge. I had no clue how to create a course. I just got in there and did it. And I've got a couple of things for your listeners. If either the aquarium hobby or the maintenance of business interests them, they can go to aquariummaintenancebusiness.com slash side hustle nation. And there they will find my ebook, The Aquarium Maintenance Guide on how to properly maintain an aquarium that's there for free. And also there's a fairly substantial coupon there for the course if somebody is ready to dive in there. So that podcast inspired me to create this. So I just want to pass that inspiration on to someone else. 
perfect. That's aquariummaintenancebusiness.com slash side hustle nation for the free aquarium maintenance guide. Obviously a very important first step if you either have an aquarium of your own or you're interested in this maintenance business as a side hustle. Larry, thank you so much for joining me. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. Right. In your episode of 37 Things That You've Learned in Your 37 Years, I think we had a similar experience when we turned 30. I remember on the day that I turned 30, and I walked out into the woods behind my house, sat down by a tree, and actually just cried. Here I was, 30 years old. I had a family with two kids at the time. I was making $12 an hour in a dead-end job. I just felt like I was stuck with no idea what to do. I mean, I even had the small maintenance business at that time, but I was so blinded by the feeling of hopelessness that I I couldn't even see what I had. I mean, I stayed at that nine-to-five job way too long. But what I did find over the next few years, though, is if you want to do something, if you want to better your life, you have to do it yourself. No one is going to come and unstuck you from your job. You've got to figure out what it is you want to do, then do it. And I guarantee you that there is life out there beyond what you can see. So my tip is figure out what it is you want to do. Find smart people to learn from, then just do it. If you fall, just get back up again and keep moving forward. Yeah, that's really powerful stuff. Nobody else is going to do it for you. So you got to make that that move on your own. Larry, I really appreciate you joining me and we'll catch up with you soon. This edition of the Side Hustle Show is brought to you by FreshBooks.com, the cloud accounting solution that's recommended by 97% of small business owners. I was chatting with Rob Eng, who's actually a senior marketing manager at FreshBooks, and he's a FreshBooks customer for his side hustle, which is a sandwich catering business. I thought that was super cool, but Rob shared this story about how every single employee spends their first month on the job answering the phones to learn firsthand about FreshBooks customers and the product. Whether you're, you know, the VP of marketing or you're just a developer, um, you have to do that full month. And we actually can't use it. You're actually a full-time sport rock star. So you have to really empathize to learn about our product, learn about the people that work at FreshBooks, and learn about our customer. It's a big investment we do to really show that even if you don't have a side business, we want you to understand and empathize with our customers. So So when you do your actual job you're hired for, you have the customer in mind. Visit freshbooks.com slash side hustle to start your 30-day completely free trial today. That's freshbooks.com slash side hustle for bookkeeping bliss along with rockstar support. All right, my top three takeaways from this call with Larry. Number one is to think about sticky services. Larry's stories of working with the same customers for years and even decades got me thinking about the idea of, quote, sticky services. These are things that customers need help with today. They're going to need help with next month and they're going to need help with next year. This could be stuff like writing content for a blog. It could be a house cleaning service, a lawn mowing service, a social media marketing service, a sheer sharpening service. Look at these ongoing needs that might be helpful slash valuable slash necessary, but maybe not core to the operation of the business. Those are the areas I think are most ripe for an outside service provider like you to come in with a no-brainer retainer, no-brainer retainer. And I'll contrast that with most of the service work that I've done, which has been mostly these one-and-done projects. Like, my team and I will paint your house. Great. That customer probably isn't going to paint again for another 10 years. I'll proofread your book. Great. 
that author might not write another book ever. So that's takeaway number one, to think about these sticky services. Takeaway number two is, can one customer turn into two? I liked Larry's personal outreach, his direct mail approach to landing new business. But what I think was even more powerful than that was turning to his existing client base to help him grow. And this works for a couple reasons. First, his customers, the dental offices or assisted living centers, as just a couple examples, they probably know other dentists or owners of other assisted living centers. That's a potential warm introduction or a foot in the door. And second, it's an introduction they're happy and willing to make because Larry's service isn't necessarily a competitive edge for them. Remember, it's not core to their operation, so it can be a friendly referral. And of course, there's all sorts of things you can do to incentivize that type of word of mouth. But think about how you might be able to turn one customer into two. That was takeaway number two for me. Takeaway number three was scale or not, your choice in your way. I see some parallels between the aquarium maintenance business and some other local services we've talked about. Most recently, the junk hauling business with Brian Scudamore from 1-800-GOT-JUNK. And by that, I mean there are a ton of these local, small, you know, mom-and-pop style operations like Larry's, but there aren't many well-known regional or national players. Aquarium maintenance, like most other local services, is still really fragmented. That means there's an opportunity, if you're thinking beyond the side hustle, to become that well-known regional or national player. And of course, 1-800-GOT-JUNK did it through franchising, but there are other ways to grow as well. Or you can scale on your own terms, like Larry has by seeking out new accounts, and now by translating his skills into an online presence and a digital product. So that's takeaway number three, scale in the way that makes sense for you. Once again, notes and links for this episode, along with all of Larry's top tips from the call, are at sidehustlenation.com slash Larry. That's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of The Side Hustle Show, where you'll learn a really unique way to cut through the clutter and connect with potential customers. I'll see you then. Hustle on. 